to 13. My brothers and sisters, believer in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith to inherit the kingdom he has promised those who love him. But you have dishonoured the poor. Is it not the rich who, explo- who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. But if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Thanks, Lib. You might like to keep your Bible there if you have one. Um, I should, should have said before, um, we, we normally record the service with a video. Um, we're not doing that this afternoon, but we're, we're doing an audio recording of it. During the kind of COVID time, uh, it seems everyone is filming their services. Uh, it'd be interesting to hear your feedback, whether you want a video or whether you want an audio. If you're homesick and you can't come, uh, that'll be available anyway. So why don't we pray, um, though, as we come to God's word? Let's, let's pray. Yeah, our loving Father, uh, we thank you that we can bow before you now in worship. Uh, we do thank you that you are God and there is no other, that you are the almighty creator God who spoke creation into being and who does speak salvation into action. And Lord, it is our prayer that we would hear your word and respond in obedience, that we would uh, hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, our King Jesus, hear him calling our names and that we would follow, that we would get on with living for you. And we pray that you would use James in our lives uh, to help us do that thing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Once uh, becoming a believer, uh, a follower of Jesus, our whole perspective on life, it changes. Uh, How we view ourselves, how we view those around us, how we view the world becomes 
completely different. And something of that change is sudden, perhaps, but mostly it is hard, steady work. And so when James says in chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, that we're to count our trials with joy, knowing that the testing of our faith produces perseverance and perseverance Christian maturity, Christian character, the trials that he's talking about are trials of all kinds, but specifically anything that tests our faith, that we might, having been given that birth through the word of truth, we saw in chapter 1 verse 18 last week, that we might now say no to that lingering sinful nature, that we might say, no, that's not me anymore, and get on with listening and accepting and obeying God's word. Uh, This is the life of Christian wholeness, if you like, according to James, the life moving towards Christian maturity, steadily over time becoming more like King Jesus. It is so good, but it is also, well, it's hard work. This afternoon, as we get to chapter 2, James, he addresses one area of Christian maturity that his original readers seem to be struggling with. You see that in verse 1 of of chapter 2, my brothers and sisters, that warm address again, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favouritism. You trust in Jesus? Well then, favouritism, it's out. But a little bit of favouritism? It could see my career progress, uh, playing favourites with the right person at work, it could lead to that promotion. It might help me climb the social ladder too, a bit of favouritism. Or if I get in with the right person playing favourites, it could, it could prove a good insurance policy, having someone to look after me when I'm in need. Well, what's wrong with playing favourites? Well, in what follows, James shows us And he begins with that illustration, doesn't he, of the meeting. And it might be that the Christian community gathered for worship on a Sunday afternoon. Two new people come in and we can assume that they're they're new as they need to be shown to their seat by external appearances. One, well-dressed, and you notice the chunky gold ring on the finger. He's wealthy. And and as as he enters... Now, perhaps initially you notice him uh, further away. It's when he, when he drives into the car park in that flashy car. That's, that's when you first notice him. In, in any case, you're ready to welcome. Uh, maybe you're at the table over there and you're on welcoming, you know. Uh, and so you say to him as he comes in, well, we usually say, sit wherever you like, but let me take you in. I'll show you around. Special attention, that's a great thing, isn't it, to give it anyone, but introduce him around, uh, take a great seat, and as you do it, you make sure that this person knows that you are caring for them very well. That's one visitor. The the other visitor, though, verse 2, a poor man in filthy old clothes. 
filthy clothes accompanied by that unkept stench you'd imagine, wouldn't you? And you're on welcoming. Usually we say, just go in and take a seat, but, but let me take you in. And as those words are coming out, you're thinking, I don't want this guy to get in anyone's way. Uh, it's a southeaster blowing, and, and so I'll put him in the corner over there. We, we don't want the stench to waft through the building. Mate, just, just sit on the grass up the back and, and try not to get in the way. That's the illustration, and we see verse 4. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, I don't know that we struggle with this too much, but it's true that our world values wealth, that the wealthy are glorified, that the wealthy are held in high esteem, that the wealthy will at times be given some special privilege and the so-called unlovely well, might just be pushed aside, trodden on even. But for God's people, says James, that is not to be the case. This kind of distinction for God's people, it is not the way. That word in verse 4, have you not discriminated, the Greek verb that is behind it is the same verb that's used in chapter 1, verse 6. You flick if your Bible's there for doubt. The double-minded person who prays for God's wisdom but doesn't receive it when they ask. Because they don't really want it. God, I'll ask you for your wisdom, but actually I'm just going to live by the world's wisdom. It's the, the double-minded person with a foot in both camps. And so what we have on view here is the Christian community being shaped not by the character of God, but by the character of the world. And James says, no, no, this kind of favouritism, it's out. You notice uh, we see verse 4, not only do they put themselves in the position of judge, but they base their judgment on the world's wisdom. By the way, this, uh, this is not to say that we shouldn't have friends uh, in a local church, uh, people that we are more closely connected to. And it's not to say that there won't be times uh, when we are to give some special welcome to, to a visitor. You imagine the Queen visiting us here on a Sunday afternoon. It would be appropriate to say, it's great to have you here, Your Majesty. I might even wear shoes for her. <laughs> what is on view is our character individually and as a community being shaped by God's wisdom and not the world's. We're not told exactly what James's original reader was doing, but in some way they were glorifying the wealthy. And I wonder if that's why back in verse 1 of chapter 2, James refers to Jesus, you notice, as our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, reminding them of who is to be glorified in this community. In verses 5 to 7, James, he gives us two reasons as to why this kind of favouritism is wrong. And the first in verse 5 uh, and through to the start of verse 6. Let me read. Have a look with me. 
Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor. You're out of step with God's pattern, says James, to these, the original reader. James is not saying here that, it, that everyone who is physically poor is rich in faith, but that the way of viewing God's community, viewing people in God's community is to be just completely different. God doesn't push the poor to the fringes. But by his sovereign choice, he has chosen to make many rich in faith, members of God's kingdom. And so God's people, we're not to view those around us by external appearances. So this is true of wealth, isn't it? Which is on view here. But it's also true of of all kinds of of different things. Now, the Apostle Paul uh, said something similar in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. He's speaking uh, to a church that was seeking after the more flashy kinds of uh, spiritual gifts, if you like, uh, pursuing the, 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 the dynamic leader and things like this. The Apostle Paul said, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. This is a warning for us to pursue God's character in the way we view ourselves and each other. But also a a comfort, I hope, knowing that among God's people, we are not to be viewed or valued by our bank balance or some other potentially influential trait. And so as I struggle with my ordinariness, I can think, well, hang on. I trust in Jesus. And the way I view myself and others, the way I view this world is to be completely different. It's so good. I can't give the way they give. I'm talking about money. I can't speak the way that they speak. I'm not as fun or friendly or as intelligent or energetic as them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's not how we're valued. That's not how we're measured. And it means when someone comes in to the community expecting some special attention, They're used to it, maybe, getting it in the world that we live in. We have to say, no, that's not how it works here. No, this is a different kind of community. We don't value you because of your chunky gold ring or some other functional thing. We value you because God made you in his image and God loves you. He cares so much for you that he sent the glorious Lord Jesus Christ to die for you. Jesus, who became poor, that we might become rich. Anyway, the first reason for this favouring the rich uh, uh, 
and pushing aside the poor is wrong. It's, it's just out of step with God's pattern, says James. The, the second reason, verse 6 to 7, we read, Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Uh, are, not, uh, are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble, the noble name of him to whom you belong? And the second reason is simply this. This just doesn't make any sense. The original readers are more likely at the, the poor end. They're being exploited. Sunday afternoon, here they are all gathered. Monday morning, they're dragged away into court and the name of Christ is being blasphemed. And yet those who are, who are doing this are, are being especially favoured within the community. It just doesn't add up. And sadly, what can happen, what seems to have been happening, is you have a community shaped not by God's wisdom, but by that of the world. Uh, when we were getting ready to start Begara Presbyterian Church, about five years ago, I think it was now, we spent some time thinking about our, our core values or our core commitments um, and I guess there was about 20 or so of us doing this. The, f the first was simple. We're, we're committed to God's word. And among other things, under that title, committed to God's word, we said we're committed to hearing God speak through his word. Why? So that he sets the agenda for our community and not us. And that is something to continue to pray for and pursue, isn't it? That God would be shaping us according to his wisdom, that he would be our primary influencer, formed and shaped by his word. We've been reading along with James here. Does what he has said, does it mean if someone with the chunky gold ring enters, we, we sit them in the back corner? And say, well, just try not to get in the way, mate. And we bring the poor into the, the best seat. From what James has said so far, well, perhaps. Thankfully, in verses 8 to 13, he gives us the principle. Have a look there with me. Let's read verse 8 to 11. Uh, we'll read 8 to 11. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as law breakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a law breaker. There's lots there, but you see the principle, don't you, in, in verse 8, love your neighbour as yourself. Whether rich or poor or old or, or young, no matter what nationality or gender, as a community, where to pursue this, to love all of those around us. But as we get stuck in to living God's way with his help, we also recognise over and over and over again that we are lawbreakers. 
that while God's instruction for our lives is good, perfect, and we've been given, having been given this new birth through the word of truth, and we do want to live his way. We have the implanted word in our hearts, this desire to live for him, as we saw last week. We will also continue to fall short. That lingering sinful nature will at times get the better of us. We might drop the ball, so to speak, in the favouritism department. Or we'll get angry, which Jesus equates to murder in Matthew 5. Or look lustfully, which Jesus equates to adultery in Matthew 5. It's hard work pursuing Christian character. But we are to get on with it. And our day-to-day becomes, Lord, forgive me for this or that. Thank you that you do through the sacrificial death of Jesus. Please help me to keep on pursuing a Christ-like character. I want to be more like Jesus. Serious about being shaped his way with his help. And I wonder, wanting to motivate us to pursue this, James says, finally, you just look at verse 12 and 13. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I want to encourage you to sit with those couple of verses a little while. Maybe during the week, read over those. On this, Doug Moo says that the believer in himself will always deserve God's judgment. Our conformity to the royal law will never be perfect, as it must be. But our merciful attitude, our merciful actions, will count as evidence of the presence of Christ within us. And it is on the basis of this union with Jesus, the one who perfectly fulfilled the law for us, that we can have confidence for vindication at the judgment. If we think back to the original readers for a moment or or something of it, they may reflect that the wealthy haven't shown us mercy. So I won't be showing mercy to those around me. But the believer reflects, the wealthy don't set the pattern for me. This world doesn't set the pattern for me of how I view myself and how I view others. God does. And through his mercy, we know the forgiveness of sins. Through his mercy, Jesus was rich and he emptied himself for us. Through God's mercy, 
He views us as Jesus is. We get Jesus' righteousness. According to Jesus' sacrificial death, God values me not by my function, my performance, but on the basis of his love and his action. And having been shown mercy, well, it changes me, doesn't it? It changes us. And we show mercy to those around us, to our neighbours, whether rich or poor or whatever. And our mercy becomes a statement of God's work in us. That's challenging. Are you a merciful person? Are you responding to the mercy that you've found in Christ? And it drives us to prayer, repentance and faith. On becoming a believer, a follower of Jesus, our whole perspective on life changes. How we view ourselves. I want to say this over and over again. How I view myself, how I view those around me, how I view this world, it is completely different. Something of that change is sudden, but mostly it is hard, steady work. And God enables us by his spirit. He helps us. But how about we give ourselves to growing up in Christ? Why don't you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to you this afternoon and as we do, Lord, we, we confess that we haven't lived to your standard, that we do miss the mark, that we are transgressors of the royal law, your perfect instruction. And for this, we are sorry. But great Father, we, we thank you as we come to you seeking forgiveness, We thank you that you give it, and you give it through the Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would be changing us from the inside out, Uh, that as we reflect on who we are in Christ, that as we understand more and more of your great mercy to us in him, that you would mould and change and shape and grow us according to your good plan. Lord God, forgive us for favouritism. Forgive us for lustful thoughts. Forgive us for our anger. And now being viewed by you as Jesus is, help us get on with living for you. Help us give ourselves to you each day that we might be marvelling more and more at who you are and what you're doing among us. Help us not be scared of hard work for your glory. Amen.